Husky football podcast on the internet. I'm Andrew Berg. Joining me today back from a week of being busy is Gaby Lucas. Gaby, how has the college football season been treating you so far? <clears throat> Great. Well, it seems that like actually... the, the uh, post-realignment uh, enthusiasm has, has rolled right <laughs> into the regular season. I mean... Uh... No, that mostly that mostly that wasn't even sarcasm. That was just um, I genuinely do have a clog, not clogged up throat, whatever the shit it's called. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> I find myself less and less enthused. I don't know if that was apparent the last year or so. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit about the Tulsa game, but I don't know if there's that much to talk about with this single game in particular. So kind of getting your impressions on the team so far this year as well. Uh, the Tulsa game was imperfect. Uh, it wasn't disastrous, obviously one by uh, three touchdowns, five touchdowns, one, you know, going away, but uh, it, there were drop passes. There were some dumb penalties, somehow another roughing the kicker penalty for a second week in a row. It's nice to be able to withstand that and still win comfortably. Uh, but I also think this a lot of this game will kind of be forgettable. So if you look back on this game in a year or in three years, if you remember it at all, what will be kind of the defining impression you have? What would you likely remember about this game? Like, oh yeah, that was the game where... Um, the, the real answer, the honest answer is I will not remember this game. And like, I will not remember this game tomorrow. <laughs> and that's not an insult to you, Dub, so much as it is like exactly what happened was supposed to happen which is you're the better team with better resources and better talent and so you whip ass and then go home but like in it was in the most boring way possible and the fact that like if i have to give you an, an answer that's like a real answer it would be when it would be that the receivers had a case of the dropsies but um like it was just sloppy but not even like not even interestingly sloppy not in, not any amount of sloppy where you can take anything away from it it was just a boring yet sloppy beat down where nothing interesting happened and that's like not an insult really at all it's just sometimes really boring games happen this is one of those times it was so yeah <laughs> hey i hear you i i don't uh disagree that much i i think you know, I, I've kind of maybe trained myself to try to find uh, the positive things sure. in, in watching these football games. Like, what well, is entertaining about it? I, I think from, oh, yeah. Oh, I don't think it was like, I wouldn't say it's a negative game. Like, it's not a negative game for UW. It's, it was boring in the same way that people who weren't Seahawks fans to talk about the Seahawks-Denver uh, Super Bowl as like the most boring Super Bowl of all time, even yeah. though we were having it like, but at least then it was the Super Bowl. So we could have pre like we were having a great time, but like no one else was. But this was like this game also doesn't matter. 
And yes. so it's it's that boringness, but you don't get to appreciate the beatdown because you're like, well, I mean, it's the 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 silver lining to that boringness. The only thing I could take away uh, in any me- vaguely meaningful ba- fashion is that like some people lose to Texas State. Yeah, uh, right. Yes. <laughs> so we didn't like you know. So like holding this, serve yeah. is 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 undervalued sometimes. Like yeah, you just and, and and not making it a one touchdown game. Like yeah, we've we've lost in. I mean, in the last decade, we lost to Montana at home. Yeah, we had that. Was uh, what was it? Two overtime game against Eastern Washington at home. Yeah, and those are FCS teams. Uh, yeah. Tulsa's better than them. Yeah. Uh, so like at least we're at a point right now, two years after being disastrously bad where we can have a bad game or not a perfect game and still win very comfortably. I think it, yeah. to, to answer my own question in a way, the thing I'll probably remember is the uniqueness of building an entire running game around jet sweeps and reverses. Like <laughs> how many, just how many times the receivers got uh, big running plays, uh, which is weird. Like it feels like that shouldn't be available more than once or maybe twice in a game for 20 <laughs> plus yards, but it was fun to watch. And it's cool that they're, they're finding a way to make that work. Yeah. I will uh, give credit like Jalen Polk's touchdown on that uh, yeah. note. Like that was entertaining, but yeah. I'm not going to remember it five years from now. That, who am I kidding? I remember whoever, like I remember Joe Jurovicious's catch from 15 years. Of course I'll remember that, but like I won't quote unquote remember it. I, I probably won't. I, I there there are too many um, cloudy things in. I say I have the worst memory for these things. Like I get so excited watching games, and then somebody be like, "Remember that game where John Ross did this?" I'll be like, "No, <laughs> no, I don't." I, uh, I I am my family's uh, mediator. Whenever they need to, whenever two people disagree, they just ask me what happened, and I and I give yeah, them the answer. Yeah. Yes. I have a good memory for those sorts of things, but individual plays and like the exact opposite of LeBron James, where he can like cite every individual play. I'll remember <laughs> stats. I'll remember like name roster names. I'll I'll play immaculate grid and get done in like twenty seconds. But I, I just the, the, doing the the individual plays, it just doesn't register for whatever reason. What, what you are is the tweet that's that that is um, men will get together and just oh, yeah. name random. Yeah baseball players and have the best time it's so true is it i absolutely do that like oh john remember gil mesh yeah i do remember gil mesh (laughs) gil mesh the first association i have with him is like somehow had an era of five every year but was still pretty good yeah how do you have the five era every year and you're still pretty good anyway (laughs) uh let's take a just one small step back looking instead of at one game at two games since we also have beaten Boise uh give me one player through two games who has been a positive surprise for you like oh you know compared to what you were expecting coming into the year I wish I had I wish what I wish I had done is read your outline that you send every week <laughs> actually I did I lied I did I did read it and then I forgot everything uh, do you want to start? You start. Over <laughs> on yeah, the I subject like of remembering things, I, I did make a note for myself uh, that I my most impressive player so far, compared to what I expected coming in, was Jeremy Bernard. Just because I didn't know if he would have much of a role coming into the year mm-hmm. as the fourth, maybe fifth, maybe sixth receiver. I guess we pretty much knew he was. He if Giles Jackson was going to redshirt, he'd be in the top five. Mm-hmm. But they've like carved out a real role for him, uh, getting him on the field for kick returns. Uh, designing running plays for him, 
getting him in the backfield and, and, you know, he's getting the ball thrown to him in the passing game. But I've just been very impressed with, like, he has this extremely good balance and body control where he changes yeah. direction really well to evade defenders, kind of in a <clears throat> uh, less powerful Dante Pettis sort of way. Uh, and, That's a good, I like that. Pettis, the thing with him was, like, you could just, like, he, when he'd plant his feet, guys would just, like, fall off of him. Yeah. And I don't see Bernard having that kind of, like, lower body strength yet but he he maybe he develops because he's still really young and his body's still probably filling out but you I, I watch him and i'm like oh yeah i can see kind of like the outline of a number one receiver here and totally. it'll probably take a year or two uh but it makes me feel a lot better about the kind of post odunze mcmillan receiver room which yeah. i was a little more scared about before yeah I, I think that's a really good answer and i think i think if you look at their like you comparing him to Dante Pettis, I think if you, even though you like where they are, where he is at now is probably not as, um, like what you said, not as sturdy. I think, I think when you look at their body types, like he seems like somebody who is going to surpass, like naturally end up surpassing Dante Pettis in that regard, which is pretty impressive just because I feel like, like, I mean, so much of Dante was his, I mean, he was pretty, pretty skinny dude relatively you know quote unquote football player but relatively speaking and so much of it was his strides I feel like were quite deceptive and so people would get bad kind of awkward angles and then he had that that chain that like you said that kind of deliberate decisive vision and change of direction that wasn't like anything crazy but had that foot and ankle strength to go with that and I think when you look at like I feel like even looking at Jeremy Bernard even now like I don't know maybe it's just my memory but he looks sturdier like his lower body seems sturdier and when you look at when you think about the implications for that as he grows older and kind of you know i don't know gets more into uh just more into that and 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 stronger and gets better vision that that kind of would come along with it um i like that uh i sorry i did not mean to go down that rabbit hole no it's interesting <laughs> when you were just yeah. like name somebody thinking about and... other guys I'm just I do like, have an visualizing like the great cutbacks in football history yeah. now, like guys who could change direction really well, like yeah. Randy Moss doing it like a deer where it doesn't even look like he's changing direction <laughs> yeah. or and I like think so Barry much Sanders. of that. Oh, sorry. Go on. I think so much of that is it's the football. I think the way that we conceptualize that is the football version of, an, of, okay. I'll just say, I think, I think it is, it is we attribute so much of that to like athleticism and and like just full lower body freak strength when but i think a lot of it is so much vision and anticipation and and then kind of and of course a massive amount of lower body strength too but just kind of that like physical intuition and intelligence in a way that that we don't really you don't really think about it that way um but so much of being able to make those deliberate cuts is really just reading reading other people's rhythm and body language and momentum and manipulating that too and having the and then being able to anticipate where that takes them and what you should do and so i feel like yeah dang we should just have a whole episode just breaking down why dante pettis ruled <laughs> because it really <laughs> is fun. so much like so, we'll do this this is i'll jot this down for the next pandemic when we're yeah, like, yeah. like instead of watching like yeah, instead yeah. of watching nebraska 
uh, sure. highlights from 1991. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do Dante Pettis. Yeah. Returns. Well, it reminds me of like the football version. What I was going to say, the football version of like in hockey, people think about uh really misattribute, like really nifty play, like puck skills and playmakers. They misattribute it to your hands. When in reality, most of it is your vision and your feet and your ability yeah. to manipulate other people's angles with your feet. And then just like, de- like you don't have to do, fancy crazy deeks to it's just get them going this way and then and then manipulate it the other you know and or you know any variation on that and so that i think you see the most complete um ball carriers uh at, whether that's after the catch or running backs or whatever it isn't the guys who are like i mean i mean how many times do we watch somebody dance around and be like and it's like that is the opposite of that is having the the intelligence and the and the vision and intelligence in a way that we don't tend to think about it but but just kind of like intuitive physical intelligence and i think that's really fun to watch and i think you're right that i think there is a lot of potential for jeremy bernard to really fill that position sorry what i was going i have an answer though now <laughs> um now that Excellent. we've stalled and um uh and that is um, I think I think Jabbar Muhammad, ah. uh, just more so because my own expectations, I was like really tampering them, um, and, and I think that's sort of a not sort of I know it's like a once bitten twice shy thing. Yeah. Um, after last year, you know, with with Jordan Perryman having so much hype coming in, and then, you know, obviously having really bad injury luck, but regardless, just like not for for whatever the reasons, just not um fulfilling those hopes. So I was really <laughs> pushing back mentally on that. And yes, I don't think same. like, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, you've mentioned that. And I don't think he hasn't been like some crazy superstar, but he's been in, you know, many times has been in a pretty good, decent position and is just like forced. I feel like, and I feel like this is much of the secondary in general, like they haven't been amazing by any stretch, but they have more often than last year, not just given the other team's receivers just like free reign on whatever like like they're actually there and kind of you know <laughs> making making imposing offenses at least kind of have to work for it instead of like Muhammad too I think yeah. to me the biggest difference between him and Perryman I don't want to dump on Perryman because I know he was playing yeah. hurt a lot yeah, last year and and there's a big difference fault. coming from FCS versus coming from Oklahoma State and like we should build that into our expectations totally. it's just hard to like set yourself up for for failure for a second year in a row but uh with Muhammad I think I'm I've been pleasantly surprised with how little I've noticed him meaning like yeah exactly he, they're making play they're 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 not avoiding his field or side of the field completely it's not like Darrell Revis or something but it's not just like picking on him and and the times when you see somebody open downfield like wide open it hasn't usually been his guy it's like if they're completing to him it's usually because it's a short pass they're keeping he's keeping in front of him and he's making the tackle and he has made a few plays but it's like generally he's doing his job and I I, like just having a, a this is a position where just do your job is a very important skill. The long snappers of the rest of, of the, the world. secondary. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's look at the other side of that same question. Uh, guys who surpassed expectations, guys who haven't lived up to your expectations so far. Um, for me, I, I, I'll go first again. I sadly, I think through two games, I think Braylon Trice hasn't been as productive as he was last year. 
and it was a little bit surprising last year how often he was getting pressure on the quarterback just because we came into the year uh, coming off of the the shortened season where ZTF just absolutely ruined uh, the backfield or just ruined the opponents. Uh, and then he was coming off the injury and we were kind of like, okay, ZTF is back to full health. He's going to be this dominant force coming off the edge. And it was Trice. It was Trice was the dominant force getting constant pressure on the quarterback. And uh, Max shared some stats with us the other day in our, our Slack that his sacks are, are not there yet, but it's also like he's not getting hits on the quarterback. I think he has one through two games. And the total number of pressures uh, as a percentage of passing downs is like a third of what it was a year ago. And those stats uh, confirm what I've seen so far. Made mm -hmm. sense in the Boise game where there was a lot of... Um, you know, like focus on containing Taylor Green, keeping him in the pocket uh, against Tulsa. Wasn't really clear why, like schematically, the edge rushers should be able to beat the Tulsa uh, tackles and get some pressure on their second, third string quarterbacks uh, who were just kind of statues in the pocket and throwing the ball and just wasn't really there. So it, it's, it's so boiling it down, it's kind of like one subpar game and he can come back from that. But through two games, that's somebody who hasn't really lived up to what I was expecting coming into the year, albeit very high expectations. Yeah, I think that um, I know I'm supposed to have a different answer than you. Um, Nobody made I, that rule. But I don't. <laughs> well, no, we live in a society. <laughs> um, in a world. <laughs> in a world where you're supposed to not say the same thing twice. Um, um yeah, no, I think that's a good answer. And I, I kind of, I, yeah, pretty much everything you said is, I totally agree. Um, and, and down to like, yeah, against Boise, I was like, you could see that they were holding back on the amount of pressure they could bring simply because it was like, just, just keep him in front of you. <laughs> just yeah. keep him in the pocket. Well, and, and, um, and, and like, not yeah. desperately, like if you yeah. just keep him in the pocket, he's probably going to complete 50% of his passes, which is what ended up happening. Like yeah. he, just a ton of throws that weren't completed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I definitely, that was like my main, not great takeaway from, from the Tulsa game because people would probably like, I, I know people were pointing to like the receiver drops and um, Mike having, well, the one actually, ironically, I think the one interception he did throw was kind of a nothing, like it's kind of a nothing burger. Cause it was, a, it looked, probably like a miscommunication and ironically mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. thing that wasn't an interception and ended up being that hilarious little uh uh butt catch or sitting down catch was yeah. a terrible <laughs> decision yeah. yeah um so i think i feel like a lot of the focus has been kind of on like the just the offense playing really sloppy but i totally that was my main negative takeaway from that game too i was like whatever those things will almost certainly fix themselves it was an off day it was uncharacteristic you know, if it continues, then I'll be really freaked out because we need them of all people to have their shit together. But, um, but yeah, the Tulsa lack of pressure, like at all, <laughs> like what you said did, yeah, really not make me feel super confident. Um, and ZTF was yeah. out. So that takes yeah. away and we don't have a super deep edge room. Sure. Um, but like the only guy so far who's been getting push into the backfield on non blitzes has been Tuna Ufi. Um, yeah, yeah, and he has been, I think, I'm cautiously optimistic about him. Mm -hmm. 
different but, sort of player, not yeah, just like yeah, a speed yeah, rusher, but totally. uh, it's good to have nice to have different options too. Yeah, but I think I think it definitely it makes me feel very validated about the fact that I put Jeremiah Martin as my winner yeah. at the Jake Eldrin Camp Award. Yep. Um, going into this year, which I don't for people who don't know what that is, it's an award I created on accident eight years ago. Um, that is the person you don't realize you're going to miss until the year's over um because it yeah i mean on one hand ztf was out but also like it's it's a a team that you objectively have better talent than and if you're not in and you in the the you know the edge rushers like you're going to rotate them a decent amount throughout throughout games you need them to like you need to be able to rely on something if it's just braylon trice and then maybe Tunufi and then a bunch of guys behind them who aren't ready yet. Uh, and then even, you know, and then when Braylon tries is put in a position against Tulsa where he has to be the single pretty much, you know, the main guy to get pressure and there's absolutely nothing there. Like, what is it going to be when it's against uh, mm-hmm. even vaguely re- like comparable team and talent to your own? Like that does not, <laughs> that well, really, really is a, doesn't bode well. And I don't say that to be overly negative. Like, I still think this is a, like, this is obviously still a really good team, but like that you can look at a lot of times at the lower non-conference games and you can kind of pinpoint things where you're like, okay, if, when we lose a game, this games, whatever this year, that's probably going to be why. So that's a very good timing because we're going to take our break now and we're going to come back and speak about one of those teams with vaguely more similar talent levels to ours in Michigan State uh, and a bunch of other stuff with Michigan State, uh, not surprisingly. So stick around and we'll be back right after the break. Thank you for sticking with us. Let's talk a little bit about Michigan State. Uh, Obviously, the I don't know what the word is, buzzworthiest part about this game is something we can only kind of like vaguely talk about because we don't know uh, really what the impact will be on the field and what the details are. But Mel Tucker, uh, Michigan State head coach, is suspended for um, sexual harassment investigation. Seems like it's nearing the point of proven sexual harassment allegations. Uh, um, His defense is that the harassment was consensual? Uh, (laughs) Question mark? Uh, to, To a uh, like of all the terrible people to sexually harass a sexual assault survivor and advocate just like uh, I, i'm not every- even gonna I, it's just when i first heard this story uh, the headline was i i re- recognize the name of brenda tracy from from these stories where she's like representing uh survivors and victims and talking about like trying to help teams athletes like, learn people. yeah yeah uh and, and it's like she's the the person that he has been harassing. And it's like, her? What? 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 How did? How did you decide this was the person to make? Oh like, my god! Even and at it... best, questionable advances toward just like absolutely insane. Well, um, and the fact that like you looked at his statement, and so much of his statement is the same thing that like men say when they've been caught assaulting or doing or like one step down, quote quote, like doing yes. not cool, harassy things. It's like so, so much of it was like, are you stupid? Like, do you not know? I mean, I mean, I know a bunch of stupid people will, stupid assholes, like not stupid people. It's okay to be dumb. We're all kind of dumb, but like, we'll fall for it and be like, well, she, but he was like, I, I, she accepted my gifts. 
That is so. Yeah. (laughs) You. Like she stayed on the phone with me when I was uh, behaving horribly. (laughs) Anyways. uh, I guess the point is you can't claim that nobody has ever told you uh, like what is and isn't appropriate. Like you've never been exposed to a person who uh, tells you about like the finer details of harassing behavior when the person you're harassing is the person who told you what the finer details of harassing behavior are like you can't claim ignorance in that situation um i I think it's just yeah i mean i don't even really want to talk that much about it because it's so exhausting as a woman to like exist in this world where this happens fucking all the time but like no and don't worry i'm not being like andrew how dare you bring this up but no 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 (laughs) i'm um... I'm not telling you to stop i'm signaling that uh (laughs) we have 10 minutes left on our our recording time (laughs) yeah go 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 no it's just that freaking time and time again it's just like the goddamn arrogance of it all and it's really uh, the hypocrisy and the the entitlement and but I, I think so we were talking about this a little bit. Like it's no one knows if this will make Michigan State distracted because yeah. they weren't able to focus on their game plan, if it will make them feel like they're uniting around a common cause or like backs against the wall, if it will have no effect whatsoever on the planning, if like having Mark D'Antonio as an associate assistant, special uh assistant to the regional manager yeah. head coach is uh like helpful in game planning or if he's out of the loop and it's like nobody knows what the effect of any of this stuff will be like we could try to just look at it will probably have an effect we don't know what it will be on the field um there's there's a lot of changes from from last season for michigan state like they had a kind of ex mass exodus uh both through uh graduations and transfers the the brightest spot so far offensively for them has been nathan carter the running back has been really really good their offense is kind of built around him. And then Noah Kim, the quarterback has been kind of playing off the running game, more play action. He's been effective, but they've also played uh, Richmond and central Michigan who are bad teams. Like central Michigan is one and one, but their win was a 45 to 42 win against New Hampshire. Who's a not very good <laughs> FCS. Team. So, Chip like, Kelly? Yeah. Yes. Chip Kelly is not walking through the New Hampshire, the Hanover, New Hampshire door. Um, so yeah, I, I, we don't know much about Michigan State yet. They they might be quite a bit better on the field than they were last year. They might be comparable. It might be a little bit worse. The defense definitely looks better. Um, they've only I think given up two touchdowns through two games, and both were on short fields after the offense mm-hmm. turned the ball over. But you know maybe implicit in that is hey maybe we can make this offense turn the ball over. So mm-hmm. like what are you going to be watching for on the field in this matchup? Like what do you think will be the uh, determining factors in the outcome yeah i mean um one i'm just I, i'll just be interested in uh yeah in 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 seeing this washington's offense playing against a defense with with the a, a talent level uh that's that's closer to their own um it you know probably roughly equal slightly less um but um also i think on like for defensive wise because you know like both teams are gonna have to score quite a bit um and so I think defensive wise it'll I I what I really want to see is back to that pass rush because like I think the secondary is actually you know they're again they're not great but they are they're doing what should be enough considering how potent this offense is for us to be the 
winning team when everything is executed well Mm -hmm. almost all the time but Mm -hmm. um you know you can't if the pass rush is as anemic as it was against Tulsa of all people against a much better um you know caliber of opponent like you can't expect even a half decent secondary to be covering their dudes for like 10 seconds <laughs> like there was there was sometimes against Tulsa where where their quarterback just had like so so much time that you know there's at a certain point there's nothing defensive backs can really do like even Richard yeah. Sherman you know can't cover someone for a minute um so so I think I think that's it like if 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 the pass rush is able to you know be more consistent and explosive then like I think it's pretty, I mean, things are extremely in UW's favor if that happens. Um, but otherwise, I think it could end up dragging out for a few more quarters than, you know, go well into the second half. Yeah, I think it, like the specific matchup battles, like, can we keep Carter from just like getting four yards, five yards a carry and and making these long ground-based drives? I, I think based on what we've seen from the, this coaching staff, it's unlikely to be a game plan where we uh, like, it, we're probably going to try to stop the run and totally. force Kim to uh, throw more than he is comfortable with. So the you know, may, maybe not a ton of all out blitzes, uh, probably not a ton of like extra DBs in the box. Uh, so can the linebackers and the defensive line kind of, take up enough space on the line and find the right gaps and tackle, uh, which mm-hmm. was kind yeah. of the game plan against Boise also and did reasonably well in that game. So I, the other side of it is I think we're going to score points. I'm not particularly worried about like being held under 30 or something. Yes. It's a road game on grass against a more talented opponent. Um, I, I just, I, I feel really good about the offense right now. And I'm just <laughs> kind of about the passing game specifically and I'll believe somebody can stop them when I see it. Um, yeah. And I, I, I guess I'm, I don't really see Colorado, I'm sorry. I don't really see Michigan state scoring enough points to uh, with, with the way that their offense is designed to keep up with our offense. But I do think it'll be a little bit closer than where the spread has been bet up to 16. It opened at 13, which I think was kind of a good number. I think Mm -hmm. that like 10 to 14 range is probably the most likely outcome. Uh, And people are kind of reacting to the Tucker situation by running away from uh, Michigan state. And I'd I'd probably take the dogs to win somewhere closer to 10 points. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you're, I think you're onto something primarily because like you said, like their offensive game plan is much more, um, or presumably much more ground-based and so I think when you look at the implications for like the the amount of drives that can be run like they're they're gonna I, 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 I you'd assume try to slow things down so that to essentially prevent UW from getting as many drives as possible because the fewer you like if you have if you're Washington like you know that per drive per capita like you're going to be yeah. scoring more than Michigan State and if you're Michigan State you know that so like you want to give UW as few chances as possible um which coincidentally also plays into their uh, uh, inherent offensive strengths which are on the ground um and so I think because of that I think you're right that that um UW will probably n- probably not be able to pull ahead like points wise as much as they just would all else held constant um 
so yeah yeah i think i i generally agree with you okay uh cool stuff good stuff uh, i think we're kind of in the same boat there um stop me quickly if you have any thoughts on these just a couple other pac-12 things that are kind of interesting colorado uh destroyed nebraska uh <laughs> seems like their best defensive strategy is to let jeff sims just have the ball just bounce <laughs> off of him or whatever uh nebraska looked really bad in that game wazoo beat wisconsin uh i i Again, Wisconsin seemed more optimistic with Luke Fickle and and Phil Luongo, the offensive coordinator, and it seemed like Tanner Mordecai, Taylor Mordecai, Tanner, Taylor Mordecai, Tanner Mordecai, Mordecai, uh, didn't look great in Pullman. So, I mean, Wazoo still uh, second year in a row beat Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't Uh, want to say I called it, but I did. Yeah, and then (laughs) Texas beating Alabama surprised me. I, I hadn't seen a ton of uh, Jalen Milrow uh, was not impressed. It seemed like he was very boom or bust as their quarterback. It's like he made some phenomenal plays that nobody should be able to make. And he also made a bunch of like very bad plays that an Alabama quarterback should never make. Yeah. Whereas Quinn Ewers started to kind of see like, okay, you're starting to make the the easy things look easy to go along with being able to do some very difficult things. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like he's progressing the way he's supposed to. So a impressive yeah. win for Sark, probably the best win Sark has ever had. Yeah. So totally. uh, let's, let's uh, wrap it up with recommendations and plugs. I'll go very quickly. We're short on time. Uh, watch the catching up on the most recent season of righteous gemstones. Very funny. Uh, some of the supporting characters in that Edie Patterson, Tim Baltz, just like extremely funny. Great show. How about you? Um, what do you have coming up? Yeah, we have less than a minute. Um, uh, yeah, I'm producing a comedy show at the Angry Beaver. Um, po- it's post game because all the it's a hockey bar. All their the, the all the hockey on those days it ends at seven because it's on the East Coast. So on October 16th, October 23rd, and November 3rd, um, the they don't have their ticketing stuff up yet, but that will happen. Come to that. It's seven dollars. Um, and then also I know I mentioned this last whatever time i was on um but october 25th at hereafter at the crocodile um uh, the panel comedy show wackronyms which is going to be very chaotic and it's our pilot show so it maybe you know there might be some fun little quirks that we don't predict (laughs) go on excellent that sounds great thanks for listening and, and go dogs go dogs